The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's college football week four edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left with all the college knowledge, Brad Powers. In front of me on his 57th birthday, 22-inch arms with a cutoff shirt, Ken Thompson. To my right, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, we got such a great response from this on the NFL edition. We're going to do it in college. Here it is. I'll say it quick. If you like a game on the Dream Preview, you better be willing to bet a game. In the center of our table, of the round table, is a green button. Sleepy J actually took a picture of it. Put some effects on it. it. Looks mighty cool. I'll be tweeting it out. How cool is it, Brad? Very cool. It sits in the middle. Whenever anybody, anybody likes a game, the first person to grab the button and press it, it makes this sound. It means an automatic two hundred dollar bet between those two. No vig, even money. Now again, if it's minus, uh, if it ends up being like minus one twenty, we'll make it. We'll figure it out. We'll take out the vig, okay? But there's no debate about the lines. Oh, give me two or not. No, it's whatever line I set is the line we're betting at. And two hundred bucks on a like, five hundred dollars on a best bet disagreement. Mm. Fez, two disagreements on the NFL Dream preview. Between you and Maddie, what was your record on this? I know I lost the Minnesota one. I don't remember the second one. Oh, yeah. and, and that's kind of the <laughs> point, guys. Fez, this is his valet tip, 100, 200, whatever. But, well, maybe not 200, but it's Fez. Professional bettors hate to lose because they feel like, you know, there's a line in the color of money. He goes, you saw me with my pants down. And it's just this idea of being vulnerable. If you're a professional batter, you don't want to be vulnerable. But having to hand money over to another guy, especially when the whole world's listening, not the whole world, but a lot of people are listening, it's tough. We're going to keep a running tally the entire year of every bet, and we're going to do a video on every exchange of cash. It's uh, not only going to be fun to root for people and root against them, but also you know no one's saying anything they don't really believe because even if it's just 200 bucks for them and for them, it's just, huh, it's still something you don't want to give away 200 bucks. So we back it. It's cold cash over hot takes. Let's get to it. Showtime. Woo. All right, guys, we got the normal stuff. We got three best bets from the boys and we start off with the Associated Press power rankings disagreement. Brad Powers versus the world, as I like to say. Brad, you've got your Vegas rankings. The AP has theirs. Biggest disagreement. 
So we love the AP, still the official odds provider of the Associated Press, pregame.com. But in this instance for this week, the Fighting Irish and Notre Dame, number eight in the AP poll, and I strongly disagree with that. I have Notre Dame number 19 in my power ratings. And this is the team you've said on the radio the most overrated team in college football. Yeah, no question about it. I think everyone remembers that Michigan win. I don't think they necessarily remember how that Michigan win happened. Notre Dame just jumped on Michigan early. Michigan wasn't ready to play. Kudos to Notre Dame. They had a game plan early, fully took advantage of You got a of lot of stories about that. You, who did you have in that game? I had Michigan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Go ahead. But really, since then, the last three quarters of the Michigan game, and more importantly, four quarters against Ball State, Four quarters against Vanderbilt. Two very mediocre to uh, below average teams. Notre Dame's been outplayed and should have even last week against Vanderbilt. Not only did Notre Dame not cover a two-touchdown spread against Vanderbilt, should have lost the game outright. Right now, Ken, and you don't do the one-to-one-thirties, do you feel like Notre Dame is closer to the AP number or Brad's number? So AP is uh, eight, Brad is 19 for Notre Dame. Yeah, definitely closer to Brad's number. Fez. Yeah, Brad's number. I'd make him 15. Notre Dame, Wake Forest. Notre Dame favored by seven and a half. Brad Powers. Yeah, I'm going to like Wake Forest. Uh, obviously, I feel Notre Dame's overrated in the marketplace. And, and the question that I have in, in this specific... And, and let's be clear. Yeah. I would say of all the teams you consider to be overrated in a significant way, in a given week, you might bet half of them. Yep. Right, because there's situational factors that could cause you not to want to bat them. Yeah, and, and in this case, Notre Dame's at a little bit of a disadvantage. It's the fact that uh, you know, situationally, first road game for the Irish. They've had three straight home games to open up the season, so we'll see how some of their uh, young players react in a hot, somewhat hostile environment. I don't know if you can say Wake Forest is very hostile, but Wake Forest, a couple extra days to prep. We're at home last week against Boston College. Situational advantage for Wake Forest. I like the Demon Deacons. Ken. Yeah, I like uh, Wake Forest as well. I mean, so like, both I do, like. I like them, yeah. And Double here, like. Here's the thing. Hartman's done a good job at quarterback filling in for Kendall Hinton, who suspended the first three games. So he's done with his suspension, but he will start as the backup quarterback for this game. But he's still a, a big-time talent. They have two running backs, Carney and Colburn, that run very hard. They have Dorch, the fine receiver, who was a freshman last year and got hurt. Is back strong already, has 28 receptions, 336 yards. They have Sage Surratt, another good receiver. You might know that last name. His brother is a quarterback back on suspension right now for North Carolina, but it's a good Wake Forest team. The uh, home field advantage will be good enough to keep them inside that touchdown. I think Notre Dame may win a close game, but won't shock me if Wake Forest wins straight up. Fez, you only lean. Now, is this, here's the reality. NFL is your specialty and you aggregate a lot of good information. And because you're so good in the NFL, you are able to trade with some of the sharpest college football guys, even outside of pregame. Do you lean Wake Forest only because you just didn't have enough info or there's something holding you back? What's holding me back is just, I don't know about the distractions of the hurricane in that part of the country. So in general, I'm being cautious about all these teams that had. So, so explain changes. when you say all these teams, who do you mean? All the teams in the Southeast around North Carolina that had hurricane disruptions. I don't know how their practices went. I don't know how long this distraction is going to lay over those teams. So there's some uncertainty there. And Dave Esler, who, because of our new radio show, and if you haven't heard, and uh, I put it out on Twitter a few times, at RJ in Vegas, this Monday, just two days ago, we're taping on Tuesday, released on Wednesday for the college edition, we launched the first national radio show five days a week 
on one of the major, you know, Ken actually was, I think one of the first of all time on both sports byline and Yahoo fine networks, but Fox, CBS, ESPN, obviously at the top hundreds of stations on Fox, six to seven Eastern straight out of Vegas. Fez is there a lot. Brad's there a lot. We're going to have Ken every Tuesday for at least two segments on Fox radio, hundreds of stations just got picked up today, actually by the, the Detroit Fox station, the 13th biggest market out there. And we're just so excited. We're putting so much energy into it. And uh, you can listen, obviously, to your local Fox station or iHeartRadio app or at foxsportsradio.com. And there's going to be a podcast. You can get that at RJ in Vegas. Now, Dave Esler, we were so busy, just weren't able to tape. And we'll have him for the NFL tomorrow. But this is what he says. Hurricane Florence, she's gone, but the fallout isn't. Two reasons. Teams with postponed games, which will affect teams differently. Some may be for good, some may be not. It's different than a bye week, not only because of the uncertainty, not knowing if they're going to play, right? That makes sense. But they don't have two weeks to game plan for the opponent as in a bye. Add in the personal aftermath, families with massive losses in the Carolinas, lack of power, etc. So South Carolina, for example, have 57 players from South Carolina and North Carolina. And that's some good research there, yep. Brad. Did you read that in any of your nine newspapers? I did not. That's good. So the theory is it's uncles, cousins, family, sisters. I think they'd have been better off getting right back on the horse after Georgia also. Because, hey, you have that tough loss. You get embarrassed. You think you have the next game. Now you don't get to you know play. Hmm. Now, he also says he thinks it's bad for NC State not playing um, West Virginia. They haven't been tested. No Bradley Chubb. And they let JMU double up on them running the football. So what he's saying here is he thinks that some teams is especially bad. Others, not so much. So, Brad, let's just kind of what's the one or two teams you think it's the weather from last week is worse for, and we'll go around the horn. And which maybe one team do you think it's not as bad as it might seem? Does anything jump out? Uh, yeah, I thought Coastal Carolina was bad. And they got a game in, actually. But obviously, Coastal Carolina is you know, dealing right on the coast of Myrtle Beach. Uh, they lost some practice time. That was a team that was getting things going, had two straight wins, had some momentum. Now their practices and their schedules are disrupted. I would say that's probably the biggest negative impact would be on them. Positive impact, I would say. You know, I'll disagree. Or maybe not even positive, but rather less negative than it might seem. Uh, I, I don't think it really impacted like Clemson. They had to move their game up. Uh, they still got a game in there in South Carolina. I don't, I don't think it impacts Clemson whatsoever. Ken. Well, uh, North Carolina, I think it hurts them because they have several guys that are on suspension and their suspensions were going to be up, but they're game suspensions. So now they get pushed a game further back. And so some of these guys that thought they were going to be back for that game four now won't be back until game five because of that suspension. That's strong, or Ken, I usually don't lead with that. Song, very strong. Very strong. Ken Thompson. All right, next game. We're just going rotation order here, baby. Clemson, Georgia Tech. Clemson favored by 16 and a half. 
Oh, look, Brad likes Clemson. Imagine <laughs> that. So first off, let me ask you a question. Clemson hasn't, how much have you downgraded Clemson from the start of the year? About a point. What has uh, disappointed you? Defensively, the game against Texas A&M, uh, very disappointed that they allowed 500 plus yards against a Texas A&M team with a new coach. Uh, that effort, I mean, it's still a big win in Kyle Field at night. That's, it's not easy to do, but I did not expect them to get run over like that. Who's A&M play this week? Are we covering that game? Yeah, we are. Alabama. I'm going to want to talk about A&M last week. All right. No, let's just do it now. So who, who, what was your best bet on straight out of Vegas? Uh, straight out of Vegas was UL Monroe against Texas A&M. How'd that go? Not, not good. I mean, I, I lost it. Legitimate loss. I was impressed with Texas Leg- Legitimate. I was seen on Twitter. They're saying it was a horrible beat. Oh, really? I Look, I'm all what, about bad beats and tough oh, stories Oh, here. my God, are you? I, you know, I was disappointed early because you know, Monroe had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. But outside of that. But didn't A&M keep scoring late when they. Oh, t- yeah. But I mean. Oh, my God. Can you believe this guy? I, when I saw that on Twitter, I'm like, oh, Brad's going to come in with a tear. Yeah. Like, you know how when someone wiped away their tears, and you can <laughs> yeah. still see the red. I, I thought that's how you'd be. No, that's not one of them. I, I'm sure. Well, Brad, must, Brad really likes his national radio show it's like he he's even taking the bad beats nah. it's like nothing's bothering him nah. all right so go ahead you like clemson yeah i do like clemson they had their dress rehearsal game last week against the option georgia southern what they do they shut it down fez won his best bet kudos to you right on this show on this podcast last week on georgia southern but fez you were fortunate clemson three turnovers two missed field goals outgained georgia southern by plus 400 yards be thankful you cashed that ticket. Don't apologize for it, but be thankful. In this, fact, listen, the dirtiest player in the game does not apologize. So I took thirty-four on a game that I trailed by twenty-four with two minutes to play, and I was fortunate. Okay, ah, it was, wow. it, you're right. You're right, Brad. It was ah. it, it was luck. Ah. Wow. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. I mean, he doesn't take he doesn't take kindly that I mean, he just went. To, it's almost like Fez. If people came in and just kissed your hand, <laughs> like with the Godfather music in the background, I mean, would that be enough, or would that just be the starting point to get in your good graces? Just let me know when you need a favor. That'll do it. <laughs> I don't apologize. Take care of my family. <laughs> <laughs> the fast. <laughs> All right. So, but I, you make a good point. Malinsky used to make this point is the, sometimes you just throw option games out with the defense because they're so unfamiliar with it, playing the team before that they were clearly, you know, much, much, much better than made it so not only were they getting ready, they were probably scheming and thinking not so much to optimize for this version of the option because every option is a little different or probably the version they're going to see against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I can say this. No one has stopped the option better than Clemson the last three years against Georgia Tech. They play them three straight years. They've only allowed 122 rushing yards per game the last three years. Keep in mind, there's a Georgia Tech rushing offense that averaged more than 300 rushing yards per game. Okay, Ken, lean or liking this game? Yeah, I lean Clemson as well. And it's What's a- holding you back? Uh, just the amount of points on the road. 
16 and a half. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of points to give a Georgia Tech team that does run that, uh, that option. But again, like Brad said, Clemson's been the best. They've got the best defensive line. Now, Texas A&M was able to exploit them. Why? Because Kellen Mond's one of the best improvisers in college football. We look at this guy as a blue collar guy, but he threw for 430 yards in that game, but he made a lot of those plays by keeping that line honest, honest. And, uh, the Georgia Tech doesn't have that same type passing game with a Calvin Johnson or, or some of these guys that they've had in years pass to Demarius Thomas. They don't have that guy. They don't have that offense. So I think they're too one-dimensional, and I think they're in trouble. Also, Cravante Benson, one of their better running backs, is out for the year. That hurts as well. So I lean Clemson, but again, too many points on the road. I'll stay away from this one. So college experts, Brad and Ken, let me ask this question. Would it be crazy to say you can't really trust uh, options team's offensive stats? Because here's my thinking. If a percentage of their the teams they play are going to have big trouble with the option. You're, it's almost like playing at an eight-foot rim in basketball or something. Whereas, oh, look at the way he's dunking. But there's this big advantage that's not going to be the case in other spots. Would it be fair to say that option offenses, because they're so quirky, are not near as good as their stats? Like, fundamentally, just not as good. It's they have an edge in a lot of games. But in the games where they don't have an edge because the opponent plays the option a good bit, that it's the combination of that edge is gone, and oh, by the way, they're not near as good as their stats. Mm. Is that an interesting way to think? It of is. It? Never thought of that. That's uh, if I was producing the show, I might actually throw an in James. <laughs> well, can't talk well, it already. Here, here's the thing, RJ. It would be a like for me if I knew for sure that Trevor Lawrence, the young quarterback, was going to play full time. Now he got a break last week because Bryant went down with a chest injury. This who was starting, and so Lawrence came in and he did a good job. Threw for one ninety four, one touchdown, one pick. But this young guy, if he's the starter. When we get to the end of the year, they will be a legit competitor to try and knock off Bama. Without him, with Bryant quarterbacking, I don't think Clemson even makes the playoff. Fez, you actually lean Clemson. So once again, what's keeping you off it? I hate laying big points, RJ. I just hate laying anything more than 10 in general. Even in college football. Even in college football. You know, I'll play, actually. I'll lay 30 on a bully at home. On the road. Don't talk about Harbaugh until Michigan. (laughs) But um, trying to cover 17, so often you wind up with bad beat stories. If the team doesn't have that motivation to bury somebody, it's easy to say, oh, they should have covered when they give up the back door. Next game, Stanford, Oregon. Stanford, and this is important. Favored by two right now. This music tells you what's next. Now, here's what I... It dawned on me. Wow. I'm going to make the following. Think about this. And I'm doing it in real time. You inherently have likes on opposite sides. But there's no rule someone has to push the button. In theory, either person could push the button. But you know something? I think the most humiliating thing ever would be someone, two people liking opposite sides and deciding neither of them to push the button. (laughs) That would be like maybe the last dream preview they were ever on. (laughs) Now, what makes this even more fascinating? This is an Andre the Giant special. Wow. Two people like Stanford, one like Oregon. One likes Oregon. There can only be one bet, though. So the button's in the middle. <laughs> no one's moving for it yet. Interesting. Let's start. We'll see the analysis. Let's start 
with the one person, Steve Fezzik, all by himself on Oregon. Yeah, I like Oregon. I like the. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. I like. It sounds like you're scared. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not happy about Blankless. being on an island with, against the two college football experts. I mean, are you seeing? Right. Are you seeing Ken's arms right now? No one is reaching. I mean, he the- has a cutoff. What guy on his 57th birthday has a cutoff T-shirt? He's got alligator arms right now. He's not reaching for the button. So, a bear. Oregon's quarterback, they were been a totally different team. And also, it's been a team that the wise guys have been betting on each and every week. They think that this team is undervalued. I think they were playing possum last week. They've been home every single game. This is Stanford's first road game. They go from grass to turf. I love fading a team when they change surfaces for the first time. Hostile environment. I think Oregon steals the game and gets the cover. Okay, the button sits in the middle. Guys, get some ball. Oh, Oh, Fez just grabbed the button and put it right in front of Ken Thompson, taunting him. Ken, what are you going to do? Well, if I knew that Bryce Love. Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing. If I knew that, because when Fez talks grass to turf, Bryce Love to me on turf is even faster than he is on grass. So if I know that he's going, he did not play last week, which is even better. They knew they were playing UC Davis, so they rested Bryce Love. This is a legit Heisman candidate. If I know he's 100%, I'm all over Stanford. I mean, that, that's but the whole thing. You like, it's you Tuesday. Like, you I like do him. like Stanford. I do like Stanford. There's two players on Oregon that are good. Herbert, the quarterback, is good, and Jelks on defense is good. Other than that, this Oregon team, and I saw him last year in the Vegas Bowl, was the most embarrassing Oregon game I've ever seen. Now, they rested Freeman, but they got torched by Boise State. They weren't even in the game, and again, they knew right. the coach was bailing. So, so let me say this. If I know Love's playing, I'll, I'll hit the button. We, all we heard that part. Uh-oh. Brad Powers grabs the button. We must have just checked on the internet that loves <laughs> no playing. No whammies. No whammies. Ah, we got a bet. Brad Powers, $200 to win 200 Minus two on Stanford. Is Brad, it 500 No, it's not a best bet. Okay. Look, Fed, you could have oh, grabbed wow, the button. Yeah. You could have pressed the button, too. We don't debate amounts. You guys want to side bet later. That's fine. But it's 200 or 500 200 between these two. Brad, you also agree with Stanford. So you've got Stanford Lane too. Ken, I guess maybe because of his cutoff shirt, his arms couldn't stretch. Brad, make your case. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about Oregon playing possum, but they were a six-touchdown favorite last week and only won by two touchdowns. Playing possum would have been winning by 24 or 28, not by 14 over one of the worst teams in the country. And speaking of worst teams in the country, that's who Oregon's played so far this year. Three teams, none of them in the top 115 out of my 130 teams in the power rating. I mean, what what happens when Oregon gets punched in the mouth? They haven't been punched in the mouth since the bowl game against Boise State. I think that's a serious question mark. And I can tell you, the last two years, when these two teams have played, men against boys. Stanford's outscored them by 70 points. Stanford's been tested this year twice. They passed those tests. They passed in Eugene. Give me the Cardinal. All right, here's what I'm going to say. One, I love the button. Two, what I'm going to say is, I actually like Stanford here, and here's why. Brad, you didn't even mention this, and tell me if you agree. We've talked about Bryce Love the first week of the season didn't get near as many carries as we thought. I can't remember who. Was it San Diego State? 18 carries for 27 yards. Okay. And what we figured out was, hey, they went for the stats last year. It's not about stats this year. It's about winning games. So do we have any idea? Because I read... Some post game with this new radio show. I'm even going through the co- some college stuff because it's not my expertise. 
And they said he, for an undisclosed quote unquote injury, he sat. Do we even know there was an injury? No. My thought is they had this game locked up anyway. They had a gigantic game that they're playing possum. He's fine. Just gave him a week off. I'm betting he has a good day against Oregon. And he bounced back from the San Diego State performance and had 100 plus yards and a dominant win over Ken's USC Trojans. So I usually grade or judge the winner here. I knew who was going to win this in my mind <laughs> the first 10 seconds. Because when Fezzik came in and goes, uh, I, uh, I, I like Oregon. <clears throat> It's like, man, you talk about like lack of confidence. <laughs> I mean, do you want to give Brad a hundred right now to get out of the bet? No, what? I think we should bet. You more. can buy out for. You think you should bet more? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. Then I'll, I'll do it. So then I'll do it, and then you'll have four hundred. Oh! <laughs> I mean, Ken came in strong. His face. I mean, he was mad. Yeah, he His was. face went up. All right, two hundred, two hundred. I didn't realize the hundred and fifteen thing. Brad kind of put the, uh, the coffin there. That so you convinced so him. Yeah. All right, you guys buried us forty nine seven last year. It's payback time. Next game, Florida Tennessee. Florida favored by four and a half in this game. And we only have leans, but Ken actually likes a total pretty strong here. Let's start there, Ken. Yeah, I'm going to go with the under in this game. I'm not impressed with either offense. Uh, Tennessee last week at home went through the motions. I mean, you would think they did it with a 24 nothing win against a team they probably should beat by 40 if it's a normal Tennessee team. But it's not. It's a new coach. They're trying to get wins, so the schedule is going to be kind of weak non-conference-wise. Meanwhile, Florida already got beaten in the swamp by Kentucky, had trouble scoring against the Wildcats at home. I think this game's going to be you know somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, about 38 points. Okay, so under, under from Ken. Ken leans Tennessee. Brad, you also lean Tennessee. I do lean Tennessee. I just think we're getting some hidden value from results from last week. I was on Florida last week against Colorado State, but you know I'm never going to apologize for a cash ticket, but it was very misleading. I mean, Florida won by 38, but got a block punt touchdown, long punt return touchdown, benefited from a couple of missed field goals, three turnovers. Colorado State should have covered that game. Meanwhile, Tennessee, 24 nothing against UTEP. Doesn't look that uh, convincing, especially since UNLV crushed UTEP the week before. But diving into that one, I mean, that, you know, when you outgain an opponent by four, 500 yards, you should be winning more like 42 nothing, not 24 nothing. We're catching maybe a half point of value off those results. That's why I lean with the Vols. And remember, guys, this lean or like lean is pretty much a forced bet. Hey, if you got to go one way, go that way, half point or whatever. Like is, as you saw, you're back in your opinion with K ish. Okay, Faz, you pass this one again. We let you pass as many college as you want because it's not your spe- pass the Oregon Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think about it. <laughs> A victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. <laughs> Michigan, oh, the bully. Michigan, nineteen and a half at home over Nebraska. Brad passes. Fez with a lean. Ken likes 
the bully in Michigan. Oh, yeah, I like the bully a lot because I think Shea Patterson is now getting acclimated to the whole thing, uh, what it's like to play in the big house, what it's like to you know produce in front of the Michigan fans, and he's feeling comfortable. Where Nebraska don't even know if Adrian Martinez is going to go, and if he doesn't go, they're in a lot of trouble. Nothing against Bunch. He's a walk-on quarterback. He plays hard, but they just don't have the weapons. They don't have the receiving core. They have a couple decent ones. Stanley Morgan Jr. is a good wideout, but other than that, where are they going to get the points from? And Michigan will extend the lead like they did in their last home you game. Think? I think so, and I think they're going to. I think they have a good chance to win this game by thirty plus. It's not the black shirts yet. Again, these are Scott Frost. Uh, a couple of the players are his. Martinez being one of them. The freshmen, any freshmen you see are going to be or JUCO transfers are going to be his players. But there's too many guys left over from the Riley experiment for Michigan. Though, be careful because Higdon and Evans, their starting backfield, still both listed as questionable, which I'm okay with because they have a good receiving core and I could see them throwing the ball a little bit more and opening things up. But I like Michigan either way, whether Martinez plays or not, but like him much more if he's out. So, Brad, based on your power ratings, the 19.5 number at Michigan, what is it saying the odds of him playing are? Because you can figure it out. You think he's worth, what, about seven points? Yeah, and that was a mistake I made last week. I thought he's only worth four points. Clearly, seven might even be weak. I would say this 19 Because half, what you saw from the backup last uh, it week. It just wasn't enough. And I liked what I saw from the backup in a terrible spot the week before. The week before, I uh, needed to lead a drive at the end to win. Looked capable of throwing the ball. Didn't last week. This line is saying right now, Martinez, probably 70 75% chance that he does play. Okay, so under that theory... If he doesn't play, this baby goes, what, 23-24? It absolutely should, and if it doesn't... And if he does play 17? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, and that's how Vegas does it, guys, is they think, what's the line with him? What's the line without him? What's the chance he plays? You do the math, consider uh, key numbers, and there it is. Is that a fair way to say it? It absolutely is, RJ, and I think this is a case where... You need to know if Martinez is playing. As long as Martinez is playing and you're quick and you get the news, I think you can go ahead and bet Nebraska, get a little bit of value. But like So at said, 19 and a half with Martinez, you take it. Absolutely. Right. And here's the reality. Most of our listeners, and we've got them from top to bottom when it comes to experience or amount betting, however you want to look at it. But by definition, a majority of our guys are recreational and gals listeners. They're not sitting there at the screen. Now, is this one where maybe you look at a parlay card? And if especially if he if you do lean Michigan and he doesn't play, do you look at a parlay card cuz it, it could be like 24, you're only laying 19 and a half. I like that. I I saw Fez's eyes light up. Do you see that? My goodness, Mr. Parlay. And here locally what they often do in Vegas to limit their exposure, so they'll circle it and if anyone tries to bet like more than $40, it'll get flagged for approval and they won't approve it so bet it for $25 get it I can't help it that I'm custom made I can't help it that I look good smell good can't dance all night long fast he just he just smiles Brad last question on this game I'm a huge Scott Frost fan have you seen anything this year that causes you to reevaluate optimism in the midterm let's say two three years no Nothing. And I think he is actually thinking long-term here because 
Martinez was basically cleared for last week's game and uh, he went through walkthroughs and that. In fact, I bet Nebraska because I was watching warm pregame warmups. He's taking the snaps and stuff. Oh, he's going to play. They're only laying 10. That line should be 14, 17, uh, but held him out. And I'm worried that he might hold him out here because if you got a quarterback that's nine, you know, 80%, 90%, not 100%, I don't want him going up against that Michigan defense. Gets banged up again. Instead of losing him for two games, you lose him for eight or nine, your whole season would be sunk. He just said that in a press conference. He said, I will not risk my guy unless I feel he is able to go up against the competition that he's facing. And in this case, Michigan on the road, I think if he's 80, 85%, he does not play again. The whole season? No, this this game against Michigan oh, right okay. here. I'm saying they're going to wait till he's close to a, as close to 100% before they get him because this is one of his players. This guy's a freshman. Why will you risk losing him long-term like Brad said? It's funny, though, not saying that you guys are wrong because I, I don't doubt you. In college, there's no virtue in losing. I was going to say, but this is Scott Frost's first year. He's got a mulligan. It's his alma mater. He won a national title with this team. They couldn't wait to get him from Central Florida. They have him here. Even if they went four and eight, no big deal because his players will be stockpiled and next year they'll expect much more from him. He's not going to risk the future for this team this year. This is a throwaway year. He's got a mulligan from Big Red. No, I, I'm not questioning any of that. It's just if you think of the Sixers and the NBA and the process, the theory is you lose and you benefit. There's an incentive to lose. In college football, there's a disincentive because young kids, you know, 17-year-olds don't want to go to a it. losing team. RJ, if they would have beaten Colorado in that in that tight game and then win the next game, I, then you're, you've got wins, then you're looking ball-wise, you're looking positive, you're on the positive t- side of the ledger. They lose that Colorado game the way they lost it at home already. Okay, it's settle, settling in with the Nebraska fans. We're not that good that yet. We're not at that level that Scott Frost is eventually going to take us to. Have you seen anything with Frost that causes you pessimism about no, the midterm? No, because the way that he took that loss against Colorado, that's the type of competitor he is. Scott Frost, but he knows. He knows the future is bright. And again, the glass is half full with Frost. Not worried at all. Next game, TCU laying three and a half at Texas. Wowza. Brad past Kansas State? Um, I th- maybe that order is different. Let me see. Well, because here. it's a double best bet. Oh, oh, oh. Fair enough. well, that's wow. no talk about a tease. Double best bet coming. Uh, I wonder if the other guy went against that, he could have a, a thousand bucks. Dang, interesting. That takes some guts. TCU, Texas, minus three and a half. Brad, you like Texas. Yeah, I do like Texas. And I'll bring up the the trend here that, that makes its rounds every time Texas and their head coach particularly. If you have to start begging off a trend, you might not want to bring it up. That's yeah, true. I mean, this is tell it and say how you've eva- reevaluated it, if at all. Yeah, you know, Tom Herman, last 22 games that he's been coaching, uh, 21 and 1 against the number as a dog. 10 and 1 as a head coach. Uh, a lot of times you got an alpha dog there, and, you know, he's a guy that, you know, feels a little disrespected. Tom Herman's a po- terrible coach as a favorite when he's, you know, a, fr- a type of front runner. Everyone's patting on the back, but anyone's throwing you in the trash. He's a guy more likely than not that I like to bet on in the underdog role. Boy, uh, Dave Astler might be pushing the button. Uh-oh. You know something here? I'm actually, Faz, let me ask you a question. You can consult with me on the button. Hey, Ken, put that back in the middle. You just got to sit in front of you now. Watching that uh, Ohio State TCU, do you feel like TCU got beat up physically? Were there a lot of, in? you know how when there's a team that overmatches one, they have three or four guys go out with some, you know, banged up. 
Do you get any sense TCU's got banged up in that game? I did. It, it seemed like they played Ohio State evenly. They were sky high. No, I, I didn't ask for your handicap on the game. I'm asking what you thought the injuries were. I thought they did get banged up in the second half, and that's what co- made their performance poor in the second half, I thought, because they were getting beaten what up. What do you think, Ken? I agree. I think Ohio State's mm. size was the difference in that second half. The speed of TCU is some of the best in the country, and that's what kept them in the game because their speed was as good as Ohio State's speed, but the brawn of Ohio State paid off in the second half. Boy, this is insane. Up at pregame.com in the game center, and this is early Tuesday, there's already 33,000 bet from all the sources we have. You know, it's early in the week, but 98% of the money is on TCU. Wow. And uh, 90% of the tickets, 128 tickets written at this point. And by the way, guys, only place in the world with American sports that has the cash splits for free. You see the ticket splits all over the place, cash splits free, and you compare tickets and cash, and oftentimes you can see the pros versus Joes up at pregame.com and just click game center in the header bar. Okay, I was going to fire on TCU because Dave Esther sent in some interesting stuff. One thing he said was perception versus reality. He The perception is Texas is really good. Reality, Texas let Daniels throw for 322 yards. They lost at Maryland, which doesn't look so good now, right? And struggled to beat Tulsa. Perception, TCU and Patterson have fallen off the map. Reality, TCU did exactly what they had to do against Southern and SMU. And had 511 yards of offense versus Ohio State. When TCU has struggled, it's been against high-powered offenses, Okie State, Sooners. That's not Texas. TCU held Ohio State to fourth, four out of 12 on third downs. And TCU had over 200 yards rushing. Newsflash, Dave Esler says, Texas let Tulsa run for almost 200 yards. Mm, that's a good handicap. Hold on a sec. Oh, he's trying to bait me now. Hey, Fess, hand me the button. So you pass, both you guys pass. This is RJ. What's the, the line? The, <laughs> three and a half, baby. Okay, yeah, I'll take the three and a half. Because it's been bouncing three, three and a half, and I would only take it at three and a half. Okay. Right. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Is that a half or is that just a smudge on the printout? <laughs> well, hold on. Let me No, I guess I got to live up to my rules. See, I'm doing the same thing I hate you guys doing. I hate taking the worst of it. All right, 200. I'm on TCU. All right. Boy, Brad goes against you. You kind of made the point so much about, oh, TCU, Ohio State was lucky because of this and that. You think TCU is underrated because of that? I I think uh, Dave had the superior handicap to mine. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'll take the bet, obviously. I have to. (laughs) There's no choice. I'll let you buy out of it for 100. No. Boy, I'll hold, take the bet. Holding the Buckeyes to four for 12 on third down. I know. That is a good hidden box score. I just think they had yeah. all and their eggs. You know USC's overrated. All yep. their eggs in that basket. When they, yeah. lost, they came up short. Well, how great's the button, Mackie? I love the button. You can run and impress the button. Mac could be sleeping in a box if he loses. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, I got to stay at the office this month. There's a circus circus stairwell that I know of. <laughs> ah! Next game, Georgia, Missouri. Brad, you got Georgia as your second best team in the country. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, there were some question marks on this team coming into this season. So they're favored 14 and a half at Missouri. 
And let me see. Lean, lean. Oh, Ken likes it. Start with Ken. Yep. On the uh, Missouri-Georgia game, I'm going to take Missouri. And the reason is Drew Locke and that wide-open offense is still good enough to put up points. You're going to give me better than two touchdowns at home. This is, a mo- this is a major game for this program to try and move forward. Notum's done a good job since starting 1-5 and five last year. Really has his team playing together. Look, they found a way to win at Purdue. And you could say big deal. They won by three points. But it's a Purdue team that was desperate, that was 0-2, that was at home, was trying to get a win. Similar type offense, opening it up. Blau played well. But still, Drew Locke does what he needs to do. And George is going to be spread out like they haven't been spread out before. There's no other team really that spreads it out like Missouri in the SEC. So as good as George is, again, they've got Fromm playing well and they got Fields on deck. They've got a decent running game. Hardman and Holloman, two excellent receivers. Ridley back as well. But the defense needs to be tested and it will be tested in this game. I think Missouri has an outside chance to win this game straight up, but I like them plus 14 and a hook for sure. Do you ever take a dog you don't think can win the game? No. <laughs> very rarely. very Well, I, I mean, if you get something like 30, 35 points, something like that. But a lot of times I'll look at these and I'll play money line parlays, two of them, like two teamers, one early, one late. So if I hit the early one, I can hedge back on the uh, late game. But I'll take some shots on these double digit money lines, especially at home. So, Fez, what do you think about how often and what are the scenarios if you play a 14 and a half point dog, right, which is Missouri here? How often are you putting anything on the money line? And in, in, in college football, less than five percent. And what is the scenario when you do? It's just you think the bet's so good, or is it because it's a high variance team? High variance team. An example would be Nebraska, Michigan with Martinez. There's some key factor that could really cause that spread to be completely wrong. Meaning, if somehow, some way, you thought uh, if you were high on Nebraska and you're thinking, hey, Martinez could just have go crazy and win the game. You, you put low on the money line. Yes. But about one in 20. Yes. Now, Ken, in your actual betting, how mm-hmm. often do you sprinkle a little something, as some say, on the money line when uh, you play a dog? Yeah. I, I mean, again, if it's something like this, a home dog where I'm looking, I will put a little bit, you know, probably, uh, you know, 10% of the be, uh, 10% of the bet. Or, All right, so or usually the, the amount's 10 to 20%. How yeah. often, though? I mean, like uh, 50% of the time, about half the time you have a dog like that? It, it, it depends. It depends on well, the situation. Well, we know it depends. Well, it, that's the whole thing, RJ. It depends on the program, depends on the year, depends. I don't bulk stuff into trends like a lot of these people do because in college football, teams change every single year. It's not every four years they change. It's every year with JUCO players and whatnot. So every game is taken as every game. It's the same thing with power rankings with me. I wait until the following week to where, and if you start at power rankings, whether it's NFL or college, no, NFL is only 32 teams, but how are your power rankings week one as compared to week two or three because of all the upsets or looking at New Orleans that can't even score in their first two games at home when people already had them ticketed for the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's it, things change. Wait till week three before you start with your power rankings, whether it's college or pro, and I think you have a better you know guesstimation on where teams should be. I agree 100% in the following way, and let me be very specific. Power ratings are always going to be better the more data you have. But Fez, what I would say is the struggle of trying to put good numbers on teams before they even play a game is informed by all the work you got to do to even have any idea, which serves you well throughout the whole year, I think. Meaning, if I told you, Fez, don't worry about putting any ratings out until week three or week four, you could really sit back and over-rely on those couple of games. Because what people don't realize about pros even at the end of a season, 16, you know, this is the joke I'll always give. Mm-hmm. How many games does it take to really understand 
and uh, how good an NFL team is, I say 32. It takes me about two years, except they're never the same between years. So you never really know. After 16 games, Fez, I would make the case, well, you answer. What percentage of your power rating is about the season you saw after 16 games, and what percentage is about what you thought coming in? 80% what I actually saw. But still, 20% after the whole season is based on how good you thought. Think this player, because 16 games can be fluky. I mean, I think every year there's a 10-6 and six team that's no better than a 6-10 and 10 team. If you take the worst 10-6 and, ten, uh, 10 and six team, best 6-10 team, I think most years, at least in one, in one, they're going to be about even. Yes, and we see this all the time. You agree with that? I do. And we see it all the time where two teams have equal stats in the NFL 12 weeks into the season, and yet you'll still see on a neutral site one team will be laying three in London somewhere because the marketplace is still valuing last year's data significantly. I typically, at that point, will look to the dog plus three. So the market, I think, actually looks at the year before's data more than I do. I, I think so you're saying so the, the average recreational batter is pretty much looking at only this year once you get past five, six, seven, eight games. Once you're in the second half of the season, they, if a team's two and six, the team's two and six. But I think the problem I, I, yes. I heard you. I'm at, let's go through this one step at a time. <laughs> On your podcast, you can talk about anything you want. Would you agree with the recreational batters in that regard? Yes. That that they usually are on this season totally. You're saying the pros, 8, 10, 12 games in, and this isn't you, but the consensus of the pros are doing what? They're weighting the prior year's results still, some not as much, but it still gets a significant weighting. And you're actually in between the recreational batters and the pros. Yes. So really what's fair to say yeah. is... Did you know that was coming, Brad? I did not. That was a surprise. <laughs> well, you laughed like you like like when I went for the board. I thought you knew it was coming. No, I thought something else was coming. <laughs> By the way, if you agree with Ken, Missouri plus four fifty, or you can actually get four seventy to win the game out. Boy, that doesn't seem like enough, does it? How much? George, how much would you have to me. lay the other way? Uh, minus six hundred, minus five eighty. That's not that, that big of a difference. I know, not much of a straddle. Okay, anything else on this game? I think the start time uh, helps Georgia. It's 11 a.m. start time, so you're not going to have a raucous atmosphere. Like so you would. lean Georgia. I do lean Georgia. So hold on a second. You've got Georgia leaned up minus 14. Yeah, 14. Our graded number is 14 and a half. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I sent these notes like six hours no, ago. No, no, but what I'm yeah. saying is... Yeah. It seems like that button should be calling you. If no, you, no, no. What do you mean? Juice-free. Yeah, oh, okay. Juice-free, and you're getting a half point off the third key number. Wow. No. Oh, my God, Faz. What do you think of that? Faz passes. Good to- discipline. <laughs> Ken just nods. Like, don't go for it. No, I don't care. He I mean, flexed I'm- a little, though. No, he he was flexed. That's just natural. Intimidated. <laughs> A&M, Alabama. No. Brad, we were just on straight out of Vegas, 6 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific, five days a week, Fox Sports Radio. You said the following, Alabama could be the best team this century. Who who's it, who's the other teams in the mix? Yeah, I think the only couple other teams that are in the mix are the 2005 Texas Longhorns and the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Vince Young. Yep. 
was Coker the coach of that Miami team? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they had more NFL players drafted in the first and second round or, and than any team in college football history, that 0-1 team. Ken, how good do you think this band, I mean, would you put them in the conversation? Best college football team of the century? No. All right, so. it's too many question marks right now on the defense. I mean, who have they played is another thing. I mean, Arkansas State, you know, you. I mean, took out a Louisville team with a new quarterback. And then, you know, the game last week, I mean, this will be probably the stiffest test that they had. Mississippi, we knew didn't have any defense, but I'm surprised they only scored seven points. I mean, that surprised me. But there's still question marks on Bama's defense. You know, let's let's see. They, they have nine new starters on that D. I got to ask a question. I could be completely wrong on this Vince Young, Texas team. Weren't they catching seven in the championship game? They were. Then how? Well, remember that USC team was considered an yeah, all-time yeah, USC team. And, and they win a coin flip at the on the very last play. How are they suddenly better than a team that was seven points favored going in that they played a pick game against? Well, listen, I agree with you. And this is something that we were going to talk about a bunch on this po- everywhere which is winning and losing on a coin flip, late field goal, make it or miss. Buffalo against the Giants Super Bowl. If they make that kick or miss that kick, it doesn't tell you anything about the team. Those were even, at least that day, they were even teams. And the game was at the Coliseum, which is USC's home field. Yeah, but even but but considering the way those tickets are going, you're going to give that two, right? You're not going to give that a full home. You're going to two points. Yeah, and it was in the Rose Bowl, I should say. So it's the same town, not the same, uh, not their home uh, yeah. stadium. So... To me, if we're looking at how good a team is week to week, we know certain coin flip games are coin flip. In LSU against Auburn, I mean, the fact is you could certainly say, hey, Auburn was a 10-plus point favorite. They should have won the game. True, and I'm sure you downgraded Auburn. But if LSU would have lost that game by three, you probably would have treated it just the same. Right, Brad? Meaning, uh, pro. that's how Vegas does it. But Fez... When it comes to the all-time, like, where's the Patriots, the undefeated till the last game, Patriots team, rank as the best teams of all time in the NFL? Probably tied with the Bears. So the team that didn't win the Super Bowl, you think, is, is no team was better in history? Correct. That is probably fundamentally correct, the way you're thinking about it. I just don't think human beings, like, if you don't win it, because the Steelers are renowned Super Bowl 11's year. Right, so they won nine against Minnesota, won ten against the Cowboys. Eleven, they started out, I think, one and three. And then the last four, I think it was a 14-game season until 78. The last 10 games, they gave up 30 points. <laughs> think about that. 30 points in 10 games. But then they ended up having both Rocky Blair and Franco injured and lost to the Raiders, who I can't remember if they won. I can't remember who won that Super Bowl. But Bill Parcells, when he talks about the greatest teams, he says that Steelers team was the greatest team he ever mm-hmm. saw. That Patriots team, to me, was the greatest offense we ever saw. And the Giants were just the right matchup to have a chance. And they found a way to get it done. And they repeated that feat you know, a few years later. But the team that was 18-0 and 0 was, I mean, they were winning by landslides. And, I mean, so, you know, they, they lost that game. But I agree with Fezzik. It's I just think hard to say a team's all-time great if they don't win the title. I hear you. And you like, don't hear the people in, in New England area talk about that season because they want to bury it. And now if they had won that and go 19-0, it's the that's all we hear about. I agree, but that's the difference. I, know. I hear you. Right? I mean, Michael Jordan, there, if he didn't make that shot against that's Utah, right. who knows? Or against <laughs> Craig Elo and Cleveland even back in the day. So here's the thing, though, to me. And let's get back to this game. Actually, because I, I do think, Fez, you're thinking about it right as a batter. I just feel like that when you talk about, oh, that's what I was going to say. Kentucky, 
Remember Kentucky in college basketball? Mm-hmm. That was considered one of the best teams in 20 years, right? How about yep. five slam a jam against NC State. Oh, that's a good okay, example. Because here's the uh, they win that game 99 out of 100 times. But Valvano, I mean, who fouls in a tie game inside the last minute? Valvano, he's he's in that case. How many times I mean, have you done this rant? This rant? I haven't. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm remembering you're, you're, all you've, these. You've held this for 35 years. <laughs> I really haven't. I mean, it's, it, it kind of blew me away because when you watch back the 30 for 30 that he fouled several times in that tournament when they had to win seven games, but they fouled several times. Times when they were in a tie game, they did it against Virginia, and the kid was seventy eight percent. He misses. If only there was Twitter back then. <laughs> All right, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna finish the Alabama handicap. We're gonna jump to Ken's best bat, and he's got to run off to his radio show. And guys, we went long because the Fox show ended a little bit ago, and we had to do some technical stuff. Usually, though, Ken will transition right into this pod after the Tuesday straight out of Vegas. And uh, he'll be here I for the whole show. 15 minutes, RJ. I'll, 15? I'll All right, so we'll do a couple quick quick games and then get to it. Actually, we're pretty close, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, Brad, actually like... Now, let's get this straight. Alabama, best team potentially of the century. They're playing 27, and you like... Texas A&M. <laughs> All right, go ahead. 27. Because I, I just think, obviously, I give respect to Alabama, but I don't think Texas A&M's getting enough respect. This is a Texas A&M team two weeks ago. I know it was on their home field. It was against a lesser Clemson team. But still, Clemson's a legit top-five team. A&M should have won that game outright. A&M's talent's never been the issue with A&M. They've had top 15 talent. Now they got a top 10 coach in Jimbo Fisher. And I'll say this. I watched last year's Alabama-Texas A&M game. There wasn't a major difference between the two teams talent-wise. A&M only lost by eight at home. With a better head coach, similar talent, I don't see how they're catching nearly four touchdowns. Give me the Aggies. That's an interesting question. If it went from Tua to last year's starter Mm. in this game, how much would you adjust it? Seven, eight points. And what's the biggest adjustment between any starter and backup in the country right now maybe 10 so what you're saying is what was the backups yeah seven record eight, last a year seven's <laughs> a little much maybe six but i i don't man two is really good alabama's never had this before no seven is proper and the reason is is although alabama's power rating against an elite team mm-hmm. may not be much different mm-hmm. when they're late no, i actually digits, th- i think it's the opposite no they would no. bury people with Tua. Oh, see, I think it's the opposite. I think now that might be based on the play calling. Whereas if you told Saban, hey, Saban, call the same plays with the backup against a team they're laying 35 to or whatever. I think the difference would be pretty minuscule because he's just better than them, too. I think it's against the Clemsons of the world that you need a Tua. There's a reason Saban's never. You don't think Saban could have recruited a gunslinger? Yeah, I'm, he's chosen these. He figures I don't need a great. I just need a quarterback not to make mistakes. That's always been Saban's thought. Then one day he figured out. Listen, Johnny Manziel's beating me. I've got. And then think about it. They changed their D. He went a little different on offense. And now he's saying I'll accept some mistakes because I got to be able to shoot out in the championship game. I think that Tua makes the biggest difference against the best teams. You know, that's a great point. What's that in statistics when you have a, a double um, distribution where there's a big spike? Oh, on both a, I know there's fat, fat tails, they call, but you're talking what's, about something. Yeah, what's, that, yeah, what's I don't, that call where it's not like a normal distribution? Probably not great radio, though, but but I hear you. <laughs> the, Next week, you can tell double us. Double hump <laughs> distribution. We'll have, or, we'll, we'll have like a like a, a overtime where Fez talks stats. I'll look that up. RJ, that's the same thing I'm saying about Clemson. With Lawrence at quarterback, that guy is that 
good of a gunslinger that can get the ball, but he can also take off and run. So he's a much better dual threat than Bryant is, and he will elevate that offense. So let him go through these games now, and even if he throws a couple picks, let this guy be the guy that he is going to be at the end of the year, and Clemson will have a legit shot to win it all. So you've got Saban, an amazing stat against assistance, Brad. Yeah, so similar to Belichick, Saban against his assistance. Well, not really similar. We did that research and tell Saban, and we'll talk Belichick real quick. Yeah, Saban, perfect 12 and 0 straight up against his former assistant coaches, 10 and 2 against the number average score, 38 to 11 in favor of the Satan. All right, so the, be- <laughs> the best team, perhaps of the century, Saban <laughs> against an assistant, and you like AM. I do like And no one's fired. Huh? Interesting. And yeah, we did a little research about Belichick, the mayor. Mackey did the work at my behest. And what we found out with Belichick, not as good against assistance as you might think, especially against the spread. We'll talk about that in the NFL dream preview out every Thursday. Remember, subscribe. You get everything immediately. We had a surprise Triple G Canelo boxing pod. Got huge, huge positive feedback. Saban, though, great against assistance. Maybe best team of the century. Brad says he likes <laughs> A&M. I, I, it's contrarian. Fez, you like you lean AM, why aren't you firing? Yeah, there's no way I'm gonna bet against Afraid it's like a freight Alabama. train. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is that yeah, the math models always say Alabama's overrated, kinda like New England, but I just think that their athletes are so great. Maybe you could argue A and M has a better class of athletes, but the defense and the special teams just gets cheap touchdown after cheap touchdown by being out physicaling them. The dad mode I feel a little bit like Teddy and KGB and Rounders here, where Grandma's in my ear saying, you got to bet against Alabama again. No, not tonight. (laughs) They trapped me one too many times. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) We might be seeing the breakdown. Here's what I have to say about Save, and we'll move on. Now let's play Big Bank, take Little Bank. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Next game, and then we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna do best bets, or at least we're gonna do Ken's best bet early. Wisconsin, Iowa. Ken, let's give you some credit here. I thought your handicap on BYU was outstanding. Give us a quick reiteration. Tell us what you saw in that game. Well, again, on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the line of scrimmage, BYU will not be out physical. They have kids that are 23, 24, 25. Mangum, their quarterback's 25 because they do their mission Mormons, or their Mormon missions, I should say, for two years, come back, and so, you know, gives them extra time to build into that body that's no longer a high school body. It's now a college body and ready for the NFL, some of these bodies. They get some big boys, some big Tongans, some big Samoans, and they are not intimidated, and they showed that right away in Madison out of the gate last week and to me that is such a brilliant take which is oftentimes Wisconsin or a BYU is going to be more physical but they're so uh overmatched speed wise or whatever else against a Wisconsin it was strength against strength and Wisconsin wasn't I mean you would think Wisconsin has a lot more speed like watching the game did you guys think if Wisconsin would have came out and like ran spread and been they like don't, they don't hey, have the pers- personnel to run, but spread. they do relative to BYU, don't they? No, they they have they have AJ Taylor, 
They well, then why isn't BYU as good as two Wisconsin of, two of their in general? three leading receivers are tight ends. That'll tell you how much speed Wisconsin has. Well, that's how who they decide to throw to against faster teams. They don't teams. know. Cephas, their fastest guy, is suspended probably for the years, probably booted off the team. Danny Davis, they got back last week, and A.J. Taylor. That is it as far as speed goes for that team, and they don't have it. So they have the big bulky line, everybody 320. Then they got you know Taylor, the outstanding so, running so back. So let me ask that's this it. question, and, and I'm serious. Let's take a breath. Brad or Ken or Fez answer it. Let's say Ohio State. What would the line be, Brad? And if you got to pull up your ratings, Ohio State versus Wisconsin on a neutral. Ohio State versus BYU on a neutral. Hmm. I'd say Ohio State seven over Wisconsin. Even S- only seven? seven? I, I'll jump on that right now. All yeah, right. yeah. Give me that. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, it was we'll, only we'll all oh take my, it. guys. It was three or four in last year's Big Ten championship game. It was an right. undefeated Wisconsin. All right, then I'll, I'll go nine. Well, I still, your, I still hold remember fifty nine nothing in a championship game. Where's your power? Ago. Pull up your power ratings. Yeah, where are your power ratings? Yes. This shouldn't yeah, be a my guess. My power ratings have it nine. Okay, and what does it have BYU against Ohio State? Twenty two. BYU'd be more in the twenty two range. Oh, that's pretty good, Ken. Okay, here's the question: What's the difference? What you're telling me is Wisconsin's not any faster and BYU won't get out physical. What does Wisconsin have that BYU doesn't? Mm. I would just say three, two. No, what they they have is familiarity. You're you're playing an Ohio State team every single year. You know that you're not as intimidated. That's the only difference. Well, well, no. Let's say against. Let's say again. They've got got a better running back. Hold on. I'll take Taylor all day over Squally Canada, but BYU came to play. But here, here's the question. Let's just pick a rand. Let's say against Georgia. Then, what I'm assuming Georgia and Ohio State's about. You know, you got Georgia. Within, yeah, within a point of each right. other. And would the line against Wisconsin and against BYU for Georgia be about the same as Ohio State? Yeah. Okay. So why? Uh, better head coach, Heisman Trophy caliber running back. Okay. I think a lot of it. RJ, but I'll say now this. you're making my point. They have okay. better skill position player, better offensive line. I mean, like, like here's my thing. Imagine UFC. Okay, or but let's forget UFC, but let's say it's a street fight kind of thing. If there's two guys and they're both like super strong and both can bench 600 pounds, but the other guy is super agile, he can jump, you know, he can bench 600, but he can do all that. If the guy who, who isn't agile can get him in a little five by five foot room, it's probably an even fight. You jump out in the street and there's cars, you're running around jumping on cars. The guy that can jump has a huge edge. What I'm hearing is, logically, the Wisconsin played their old-style game against a BYU team that they couldn't out-physical, thus it was a toss-up game. But there's got to be something about Wisconsin that's different, and if they would have exploited that, they should have dominated BYU. I think Wisconsin's a great bully in that if they play in Indiana, they run the ball two-thirds of the time, and they get six yards per play. But when they play against the BYU, they get four and a half yards per play, and it's not enough to keep the chains moving. They don't have a good enough passing game to convert the third downs. And I'll say this on BYU, we're talking power ratings and how do you wait like this season's results versus last season. I think BYU's historically poor season a year ago at four and nine is waiting their power rating way down. I don't, I brought them up like at 10 points already. Clearly it's not, maybe not been enough. All right, quickly, and then we'll get to Ken, the double best bet with Ken's. Iowa, you actually like them in this game. And as we said, it's about plus three. 
you uh, and you got to lay 120 with plus three. Yeah, but I like uh, Nathan Stanley, the quarterback. He doesn't make too many mistakes. Now, they haven't played a tough schedule. Northern Illinois, a banged-up Iowa State team, and then Northern Iowa, who's a pretty good FCS team. But two pretty good tight ends. Noah Fant is back. Nick Easley's a pretty good receiver. They've got decent running game, and they've got a decent defense. Now, they lost a guy named Josie Jewell, who's one of the best middle linebackers in college football, but they replaced with linebackers. That's where Iowa is always strong, and they always win a big game at Kinnick Stadium. Last year, they blew out Ohio State. Year before, they beat Michigan. I mean, they get one of those games against a marquee team from the conference. This year, it's going to be Wisconsin, possibly going down on Saturday. Uh, you lean that way, Brad. Iowa, what's stopping you from firing? Uh, what's stopping me from firing is Wisconsin's been really good off a loss under their head coach, Paul Chris. They're, they're 7-0 against the spread. So this is a team that doesn't have a hangover effect. And, and I think the, probably the best thing to happen in Wisconsin, feeling probably overconfident, 12-0 and regular season last year, had three uh, quote-unquote cupcakes to start the season. Getting punched in the mouth, I think, will wake them up. Fez, you, <clears throat> excuse me, Fez, you actually have... The under in this game. Yeah, I like the total to go under the 43 and a half. And this is all about, let me talk about a third team here, Iowa State. So Iowa State played Iowa. Two teams punched each other in the mouth all game long, 14 to three, final score. No one could move the ball. And then I watched Iowa State play Oklahoma. Okay, Oklahoma's a high-powered offense, but it was just a shootout completely back and forth. So I go back and say, hmm, why was that Iowa State-Iowa game so low scoring? I think it was Iowa. And then I watched Wisconsin against BYU, and they don't trust Hornybrook, and they won't throw down the field, and they can't throw down the field. And I'm like, how is this game going to be other than a defensive battle 20-17? to Brad, what's your thought on that total? Yeah, I agree with that. No question. All right, guys, this is an early best bat, and not only early, but a double best bat. Whoa, make me rich, make me rich, Rabbit, you can drop that All right, double best bat. We'll start with Fezzik. It's West Virginia lane 16 against Bill Snyder, Kansas State. I'm going to lay the 16, take West Virginia, fade Kansas State. Bill Snyder has been a great coach well into his 70s, but RJ, I think it's time for him to start contemplating retirement at 78. I watched the entire game, game two, that K-State played, excuse me, that Kansas State lost against Mississippi State. They lost by 21 points. Oftentimes we're like, it was a little fluky. They got a punt blocked. Oftentimes that's what you're saying. Right. There was (laughs) nothing fluky about this. In their first game of the season, they played a horrible game against a bad opponent. We thought maybe they're playing possum. No, they played a horrible game against Mississippi State at home in a home run spot. If you don't show up there, how are you going to go to West Virginia and face that high-powered offense and hang in the game? They won't. I laid it. Can you agree? Same thing. And here's the thing. First off, West Virginia got a week off, so they had two weeks to prepare for this game. Second of all, West Virginia, Greer, I mean, he's got two of the better receivers in the country in Jennings and Sills the fifth. So right there, major advantage offensively. Kansas State, it's probably the slowest defense collectively for the Wildcats that I have seen in years. I think they're in a lot of trouble. They did struggle with South Dakota at home, had to outscore them 15-0 in the fourth quarter to win by three, then Mississippi State, and then they struggled with Texas San Antonio out of the gate. Now, scores a little dis- receiving 41-17. The end of the day, they are minus five on turnovers. They are minus eight on sacks. They're in a lot of trouble. They go to Morgantown. I think this game will be covered by halftime. I think 30-plus is what West Virginia wins this game by. Double best bet. Ken, real quick, when you say they had two weeks to prepare... They got canceled last week, right? right? But they got canceled early enough that they had that what day? Whole, what day was it? Wednesday. It was by Wednesday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Interesting. Ken Tawson, it's his 57th birthday. 
He's got Happy tw- birthday. Thank he's got 23-inch arms, and we're going to play they're, him they're off. growing every, every show. It's we're, great. We're, we're going we're, <laughs> <laughs> to play him off with this song. This is, this is probably Ken's song. This is Beetlejuice, Howard Stern. Oh, that's right. Let's go. Wow. Boy, that's Beetle, a, into the archives, be, man. Beetle, he's the baddest cat. Yeah, Ken is. Thompson, everybody. RJ, thank Sports you. Sports X Radio. Okay. Let's keep going. And we got Brad's best bet with all the college knowledge and a couple more games here. Let me see. Oh, Brad, you actually lean can. Let's finish up as Ken's packing up. Uh, you lean Kansas State. I mean, we know that trend with Snyder. Why don't we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, Snyder is a dog still hitting 74%. You blindly bet on Bill Snyder any underdog role since 2011. 22-6 against a number in the road underdog spot. And, man, Dana Holgerson, you think, Ken mentioned, hey, West Virginia's off a bye. That's a positive. Under Dana Holgerson, it's not been a positive. 3-12 and 12 against the spread with extra time to prep. I've watched these two teams play the last six years, these two head coaches. I mean, Snyder's gotten the better of them five. Five out of six against the number. I just did lowly course. So sneaking around the chicken coop, the old sly, great haired fox, Bill Snyder. Give me him getting more than two touchdowns. You know, here's my question. Fez is really smart. Let's say Fez starts drinking. He never drank before. Doesn't do drugs. But now he says, I'm going to have one beer or one glass of wine a night for my uh, lipoids or whatever. My blood lipids, I think they're called. And let's say Fez, though, even as smart as he is, makes uh, three mistakes a week on air where he mm. just misspeaks or, you know, disagrees with me or whatever. All right. <laughs> we would just all shrug and say, hey, everyone makes mistakes. But when you think there's an obvious reason something could happen and then it happens, you say, oh, look, Snyder's old. But if you went back and looked at Kansas State through the 90s, I'm sure you saw games they got outplayed. So how much of this is us taking something that's random? Hey, a t- every coach is going to get out. Team, every coach's team is going to get outplayed sometimes. And saying we've got the built-in reason he's old, and when, whenever it, in my theory, maybe randomly happens, we're going to say, "See, look how old he is." Because Brady, I mean, look at Brady and Belichick. How many games have they played that were super disappointing? More than a few. That's it. The Brady yeah. era is over. Uh, remember the Kansas City Monday night game? Not the start of last year, but I think two years before that. Just like Brett Favre, 39, he's done. Yeah. So I'm not saying at some point Snyder will be too old. But what what did we see in the game that tells us that other than the fact they got outplayed, which happens sometimes? The effort from the players in the second half did not appear. To, they didn't quit or anything, but it didn't seem to be this. And what was the score in the second half? They were down t- double digits, 21 in the second half. And they I mean, do most teams play super hard down 21 in the second half? Yes. When they're playing mm, a top right? opponent. I don't know. Week two of the season off of a bad performance week one. And, and well, I'll say this. Maybe Mississippi State's just that good. They were a team that I had in top 15 of the power ratings. They were the most underrated team my power ratings coming into the season. I got them in the top 10 right now. Some of the analytics guys have them in the top five right now, Mississippi State. The team that beat up Kansas Might State. Might be a great point. Maybe Mississippi State. You know, Brad, really there's good. a button right here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Next game. Uh-oh, two games left. This one in Brad's best bet. Next game. 
the penultimate game. Arizona State, Washington. Washington favored by 17. Ken liked Washington. Didn't get a chance to get that handicap. I bet it would have been great. You, Brad, lean Washington. I do, and I just think there's a major mismatch here. Arizona State, the last couple weeks, have only averaged rushing 40 yards per game. If you can't run on Michigan State, you can't run on San Diego State, I'm guessing you will not be running and having some success on the ground against this Washington defense. If that's the case, then I expect that Washington pass rush to get in Manny Wilkins' face, similar to what San Diego State did a week ago. I don't see how Arizona State scores more than 14 points here. Fez. I lean Washington. I probably should like them. I just hate laying 17 and a half. Two reasons. So we're grading at 17. 17. Current, current line. You know, I like a minus 17. Ooh, Ooh like now. But, oh, well. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, number one reason, Arizona State. I talked about that win against Michigan State. I really think it's because they played at 2 in the morning, East Coast time at the end of the game, and the heat as well, and that's why they won that game. So Arizona State overrated. All right. So... Arizona State last week came back down to earth. How how did you handy? I mean, beyond the scoreboard, what did you see in that Arizona State game? Brad? Well, Arizona State was dominated at the line of scrimmage. Uh, actually, second week in a row, they were controlled the line of scrimmage. It got kind of hidden in the Michigan State game. They're struggling the rushing the ball because they had that comeback in the fourth quarter. And that was against the San Diego State team that was playing with a backup quarterback. And San Diego State won by seven, and it felt like it should have been. And even Rocky Long, the head coach, said, it felt like a 21-point win for San Jose State. That was domination by the Aztecs. So let me ask you this question, or let me clarify. I, I'm actually a fan of the Arizona State coach, and, and to me, the idea of that CEO coach. But they still have the players they had before. Yep. So I don't know how the Urban Myers come in. Maybe it's just scheme, and I don't think that – Arizona State's going to be out scheming people. But my optimism for Arizona State is about they're going to recruit a little bit better than they would otherwise. They're going to be more team-oriented than they would otherwise. Not that Arizona State was some great team. So you're right. They got beat. They underperformed. People got excited. But I'm still, you know, if you just put a random Midland other coach in, and Arizona State's a Midland program. It's not top. It's not bottom. I'm more optimistic with the the TV coach. Uh, do you still disagree with that, Brad? No, I, I don't disagree with that. Right, but you did before the season. I did. I just thought it was too long of a layoff uh, for Herm compared to you know. And maybe I'm, it was because I don't think he's probably Xing and Oing too no, much. No, I don't think the question so. though is the ki- do the kids respond to him? And they do. They won't because he's talking about the same rap songs or talking about whatever on Snapchat, but rather. It's because this guy was on TV. We know how powerful media is. Yeah, and it also helps to have a big win early on that helps you to listen to your coach. Yeah, and I like Herm Edwards. He has a powerful presence as well. I like the way he speaks to his team. His players look to buy, and I just don't think his players are all that good. But um, the second part of my handicap in this game, moving on to Washington, Washington's ranked 11 now in the AP poll, I believe. It's time for style points. We're already talking about will they get into the Final Four if they run the table it's time to pile it on each and every week. Last question. I, I've been listening to a few pods on college just to try to catch up a little bit here. I won't have all the college knowledge, but. Oh, you're getting there, though. Well, no, I've been very no, no, impressed. No. I've been very impressed. Washington's defense is probably the stronger unit right now, which when I heard that, that surprised me. Does that sound right? 
Yeah, of the, of the you're comparing Washington's offense to their defense. Yes, yeah, defense is and histor. I mean, historically with this coach, Washington's been about offense, right? Well, I think I think everyone remembers Chris Peterson, you know, Kellen Moore, Boise State, high powered offenses. But at least the last three years at Washington, the defense has been better than the offense. And they have a left tackle that's out that's a game changer. Yeah, Trey Adams uh, out for the season. All American would have been a first round draft pick. That was a, oh, so he's out for the season. He's out for the season. Okay. Right now, 50-50, even money, will Washington win out? Ooh. Mm. So it's close. Yeah, it's close. All right, Fez, no you're bet, left. No you, bet for me. You know, this will be a good tease because we got our one and only commercial break. Fez is going to come back after looking through his notes and tell what he would bet at even money, Washington winning out. Two quickies today. Old friend, true car. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil. Or as the Italians say, as we did in my house, olive oil (laughs) (laughs) can clean your interior. Removing excessive weight from your car will improve gas mileage. Wouldn't it be funny, Brad, remember back in the day it was gas money? Yep. Right. Hey, you got gas money? Yep. Imagine if you had a buddy that was like, you know, 280 <laughs> and it's like, Brad, I need two bucks from you. And, uh, Hey, uh, t- the tank, I actually need uh $4 from you. <laughs> now, I mean, really, it sounds like mathematically yeah. that would work. Old school, baby. I know. You know, no, you were looking like you didn't know. Oh, Frank the Tank, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Frank the Tank. It feels so, tastes so good on my lips. <laughs> and you can place your key fob on your chin and increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. They're a certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience. Whether you buy new or used. With TrueCar, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states, if it's available in yours, take advantage. Last commercial. Want to get an edge over Vegas in the books? Hmm. BetQL is available for download, and it's the only mobile app that puts all the important research you need to make smart bets in one place. With BetQL, you can easily assess line movement to see how the lines have moved. That kind of makes sense. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time, so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of detailed recent and historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Droid device. Head to betql.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. Vegas seems like the dog, perhaps, at this point. (laughs) That's BetQL.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy 
lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free on both Apple and Android. In the radio biz, they talk about fulfilling the tease. What do you think the odds are, Faz? We teased it. Washington winning out. Only about 34%. Ooh. Now, listen, guys. We can always make a bet here, even if it's not spread. So you thought it was a tough call at 50-50. He's saying 34. So if we price it at 40, you both should want to fire. No. so You're going to fire that? Uh, you wouldn't do that, huh? No, so, so if you get, um, if you get plus money, plus one fifty, plus one fifty, you won't take it. Mm. Wow, plus one fifty. All right, I, I'll no. I'm saying that they will run the table. At yeah. plus one fifty. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, there's the button, yeah, baby. Uh, no, you got to put it in the mic, Brad. We went over that like four times before the show. All right. Let me explain why Brad's going to lose. Oh, Fez, <laughs> oh, my God. Fez is just like, he, uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, they're at Oregon. They're home against Stanford. Even if I'm generous and I give them a 72% chance to win each one of those games. Does that sound about right? Uh, yeah. wait, let's not do this. Go ahead. I mean, we're not going to go through every game no. with your guess numbers. I'm, say, I'm saying those two games alone, RJ, are make it close to a 50-50 bet. And they got to win all the other games. And So that 72% is what What on the spread, would you say? Uh, Six-point spread. Okay, so Brad, what would you put? Give the two games. Yeah, or at Oregon, I would say Washington's probably a six-point favorite at home against Stanford, probably a nine-point favorite. You know something? You would think, considering this, the Fez might not try to exploit. I'm already a multi-millionaire. <laughs> but every little bet he makes, that he's like, like, what's your edge on this bet? You think maybe five percent ROI? Okay, so five percent on two hundred bucks. All adds up, Art. It's $10. Yeah. You're killing Brad over $10. Once had my- Would you let him buy out for 20 No, let's have the bet. Ah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hey, I paid two fifty yeah. for a Mountain Dew that I could get for $0.99. Cents. I got to make it back somewhere. To be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, we got three bets down. Well, we had... Uh, well, I'll go back through the notes. You got you got it. Oh, Mackie's there just logging them all. What do you think of the green button, Mackie? Oh, I love it. He loves it, he says. All right, it's that time. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. You know, Last uh, fall, I was on set with on the herd, and uh, they have a booker. His name's Dave. Great guy. He's been very friendly with me. And uh, in between commercials, sometimes we'd go up and talk to Colin, and sometimes we wouldn't. Dave goes, "Here's the thing." He goes, "There's three Collins. If he's on the phone or he's texting someone, you can go up no problem. Other times, it looks like he's bored. You go up no problem. But sometimes he sits there and he's rocking back and forth as his eyes are like pointing in two different directions. It's like he's thinking about something. You don't want to bother him. When the, when Blossom was playing, Brad was like, his little um, eyes were flickering. <laughs> we're like, were you calculating how much the worst of it you were getting? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I was thinking the three bats. I'm like, what, uh, what do I got to be rooting for again this week? Well, Jeez. We'll get, and here's yeah. the thing, guys. We're going to create in the pregame.com forums. Every bet we're going to log and we're going to have a 
place where all the ongoing bets, everything that's open, some bets might be years in the future. Like, <laughs> you know, like you made a Jameis Winston bet that was years in the future. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, all joking. I mean, not joking, but Malinsky passed away. So that one's not going to get settled. But the fact of the matter is we're betting on anything we want to bet on, not just games. When people make proclamations, better be ready to back them up. Now, we told Maddie Holt, you can always get out of a bet. You, we're going to come up with a phrase or uh, you got to read something. It's going to be some variation of, I acted like I was very, very confident about this bet. I was <laughs> trying to act like I was had expertise. But now that you've challenged me on it, I've decided I actually don't feel confident. And I'd rather be embarrassed than have to lose this bet. Like something like that. I like that. And we'll let you read it if you want to get out of the bet. I like that. <laughs> best bet time, Brad. Yeah, best bet. Let's go to the Big Ten. I'm going to take the Michigan State Spartans on the road, minus four and a half against Indiana. Here's what I like about Michigan State, a team that's clearly disappointed so far this season. What happened last week? Michigan State had a bye week to regroup. Keep in mind, this is a team that still was up on the road in a bad spot against Arizona State. Ten points. What happened? They predictably wilted in the fourth quarter in the heat and the late start time. They're a little bit better than what they've shown so far. They've dominated this series 12 of the last 14. They've taken care of business and particularly matchup wise. Michigan State with the number one rush defense in the country right now. They're going to make Indiana one-dimensional, and Indiana's quarterback, Peyton Ramsey's not good enough to beat him through the air. Give me the Spartans getting a nice bounce-back win here, minus four and a half. Faz, any thoughts on this one? Yes, this is a very interesting game. I'm going to talk about my contacts here. I don't know if it's going to help anyone make a bet, though. I agree with Brad's handicap. That was my handicap. My number two. You're saying he stole your handicap? No. (laughs) We had identical handicaps, and his was better than mine, but I I was on the same game. Then my number two contact came in and said, Boy, I really like Michigan State. My number two college football better. This guy wins. He's solid. And I'm like, I'm going to make one of my biggest bets of the year on Michigan State. And then not two hours later, my number one college football expert who does not give very many things to me, he's very selective, said Indiana's going to win outright. It's his best pick of the week. I'm passing the game. Ooh. And listen, here's the thing. There's not a wise guy... Uh, you know, we have our little round table here, but every wise guy in town doesn't come in and vote. And I would say there's no game with cigars. Yeah. There's no game that doesn't have one professional that's making a living at it on the other side. So, but you got a guy you trust and remember it's hard to win. So if there's anything that makes you think you're not getting an ideal situation, pass, write the thing down or bet 10 bucks and keep a tally. And my guess is, I mean, think this will be the last thing we say this week. Let's say there's two scenarios. One is, let's say that in both cases, you only bet when it is borderline perfect. There's only two possibilities. One is you would have lost on those additional bets. And scenario number two is you would have won. So the result is you win less, meaning you're going to win on your very bet. If you're going to win in that hypothetical when it's imperfect, well, when it's perfect, you're going to win for sure. So, and you're not even sure if you're a winner. I mean, no one can be sure they're a winner. And that sounds crazy, right? Fezzik hasn't had a straight job since Moses was in short pants. No, this century, <laughs> as Junior would say, Soprano, this century, he hasn't had a straight job. But you're a year older. 
the market's changing. Now, your order could be better, meaning you might got, you know, it's always the battle of synaptical decline versus learned knowledge, right? And I think most guys in, in handicapping, I'd say they don't start trending down until their mid-60s, typically. So I think guys at 65 that are generally healthy, there's whatever decline they've had intellectually is outweighed by what they've learned. I think come 67, 68, you st- it starts, and again, this is generic, you know, general. So, Fez, you got over 10 years of prime left. I'm not sure I do because in the world of handicapping, I don't think this is like being a heart surgeon, RJ. The world, the the handicapping aspect in sports has changed so dramatically just in the last Yeah, the market's years. gotten tough. But let, let's define what are we talking about here? Are we talking about the game passing you by or the game in general just becoming tougher? I think the game becoming different. I think that handicapping techniques. That yeah, but, but, but that's ago. the thing. You don't know you better than anyone. One of the things I am most not envious because I think I have in different ways a similar quality, but I respect so much is you don't hold on to old ideas. I mean, a guy, you know, and again, I, I, I want to give him credit because I think he does a lot of good work, but this is going to be kind of a negative. There's a guy that has a magazine that has a, a, a great database, has a lot of numbers in them. And I think a lot of those numbers are really interesting. But I think a lot of the stuff with rushing and defense and all that, it's passed him by and he's holding on to him. Or at least the numbers are still there. I don't know how he's coming up with his best bets, but he's still putting out those same numbers. Okay. You, I, I, I've known you now five, you know, five plus years. You are always saying, oh, that used to work, but I'm on to something else. So I think an older guy that's seen a bunch of stuff come and go is more able to decide how quickly things should come and go. Now, if someone resists change, they're in trouble no matter how. They can be 35 and they're in trouble. But wouldn't you say you've done a ton of evolution just in the last five years? Yes, I think you have to be actively engaged. And I talk about, and this sounds ludicrous to the statistical guys, you give me a trend from 1980 to the present day, and I don't think it's nearly as meaningful as giving me a trend that's happened over the past five years, even if the sample size is smaller over the past five years. Well, let's talk about trends and systems, though. Trends are team-specific. Systems are league-wide. But I think in both, I think leagues change slower than teams. Teams change every year oftentimes. But I do think there's institute, and that's the old debate. Ohio State, Michigan, you give me a trend back to 80, I'm going to believe it because yep. a lot of things have been the same. If you do something like, hey, if you rush for this many yards, the makeup of the game is so different that, that I'm, that's one, a system I might not trust as much, even if it's league wide from the 80s. Yeah, it's a great point. The NFL rushing yards per rush used to be something that you could predict winners with, and now it's largely just random noise. But let's, last thing, let's drill down into you specifically, Steve Fezzik, two-time Super Contest champion, and... In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. Wouldn't Where would you rate yourself on ability and willingness to adapt to the changing environment? Like most people, I'd say I'm very willing to adapt. And I think that's true. Brad, you are, you know, what, 20 years younger than Fez, right? About 34, 54. Wouldn't you say that when you are telling him things about college, is he saying, oh, no, no, that's not right? Or is he listening? He's listening. And if he disagrees, he'll probably let it go and smile. Unless we're doing this podcast and let it go today. Well, that's good. I get credit. But then he's asking you questions on stuff that interests it. So to me... 
if someone's willing to change, I'd rather them, them be 54 than 34 because that means you've got 20 extra years of changing that you've already accomplished so you know what to deal with. Yeah, and a classic example last Friday night, I laid 26 points on a college football team. That was one of my biggest bets of the month, RJ. I don't think I ever would have done that 10 years ago. There we go. Bananas. Leave it to Fez. I have to convince him that he can adapt, and then he brags. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's college. Remember, I don't push you off to other things too often. Give, if you have a Fox station, please. I think you're going to like, if you like this, you're going to like this. I promise. Fast pace, one hour a day. We, no fat, no fat. Check out your Fox station, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Also podcast at RJ in Vegas. It's straight out of Vegas. Check it out tomorrow. Back with the NFL and the little green button that makes a cash register sound. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.